When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. and <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide DeleteMe with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have DeleteMe. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. DeleteMe is not just a one-time service. DeleteMe is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. So what's the responsibility of a couple to each other? Well, from a psychological perspective, It's about co-regulation. It's about helping each other manage the flow of emotional arousal in each other's life. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Hello there, money talkers. So great to have you here for this episode. Okay, if you are part of a couple, you will want to be sure and pass this episode along to your partner with some sort of gentle nudge of, hey, you might want to take a listen to this episode. 
Even as a money expert myself, creating a smooth, stress-free, loving relationship with my husband around money can be somewhat tricky. As our guest Ed Combs says, we need to create some financial intimacy. What's that, you ask? Good question. Ed loves to lead couples through therapy from money despair and frustration into money intimacy and connection. If you aren't good at it yet, no worries. We literally aren't taught how to do this anywhere. In this episode, Ed is sharing all his wisdom, including a money egg exercise you need to do stat after listening. Curious? Let's get talking. I'm sure everybody listening, including myself, were super curious about this idea of financial intimacy. I mean, it's it's hard enough to talk about money, let alone the idea of creating any intimacy there. So please explain to us what the heck is financial intimacy? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's such an important word combination that we don't have floating around, but I think it captures the spirit of what so many couples probably actually want to end up in is a sense of safety and trust in the relationship around their finances, where you can be vulnerable and honest about both your hopes, dreams, and aspirations, as well as your fears, anxieties, doubts, and places of shame. So that's kind of the the psychological side of it. But then it's also, well, there's a whole host of different money topics to be able to talk about, whether it's your cash flow or budgeting, your investing in retirement, uh, insurance decisions, uh, estate planning, taxes, <laughs> all right? the fun Those, stuff, <laughs> all the fun stuff, all the topics, right? And that's, you know, that's the financial planner in me that says, hey, ideally, as a couple and as a household, we need to be able to look at those major areas of financial planning together and make some decisions and have to update those decisions as you go along your your marital life or relational life together. Right. Yeah. And so I would assume then the intimacy comes from creating some sort of like shared vision or shared partnership or how does that intimacy part then kind of come about? Well, I think it's actually, so the shared vision and purpose is part of it, but it's really also about how you interact and show up with each other and what are you evoking inside of your partner or not evoking inside of them that either helps you feel more comfortable and more safe with you or causes them to shut down and withdraw or become even more aggressive or attacking, right? So I think intimacy is about mutual pleasure as well. And so I often like to borrow the idea of sexual intimacy and what does that mean and look like, right? And it's not just about sex. It's about the whole process and experience of being together and getting to know each other's likes and preferences, the timing and pacing that becomes really pleasurable for you as you have sex, we can bring that back over to our financial life and realize like, oh, man, what what would it look like to really be intentional and thoughtful about how we engage around money together, where we're trying to increase each other's pleasure and sense of, um, yeah, pleasure, really. Yeah. I mean, we don't typically think of the word pleasure when we're talking about money, but perhaps we need to, we need to change that narrative. So thinking about this idea of creating intimacy what what are the things that really get in the way of couples like creating this, like creating this healthy, respectful way to deal with money in a relationship? Well, you know, I think it's for some couples, it's a big surprise. And for some, it's not as much of a big surprise. But as a therapist, what I start looking at is what have your past experiences with money and relationships been like? 
And oftentimes I start with their family that they grew up in and how they saw and experienced money because those are the barriers or the learned patterns that you're bringing forward into your current adult relationship with money. Right. And so we've got to go backwards to be able to go forward. Right. And I I mean, I know from working with tons of couples and myself as a certified financial planner that when we talk about money and how do you build wealth and all of those sorts of things, we don't lean on the past. We don't lean on your money story. We don't lean on all of those things that have happened either consciously or unconsciously as part of the recipe for success, but they're a big part, right? I mean, we we need to spend some time walking those things out. Right. And that's part of that financial self-awareness. Um, some may even feel comfortable with like financial awakening mm. is that deepening awareness that we don't come into our adult life and the financial planning process as a blank slate, which is the way that financial planning typically sees clients is that these clients are more or less a blank slate. I mean, sure, they have some goals and dreams and aspirations. Let's get those. But we're not considering any of the cultural factors that have shaped their views of money and expectations. We're not thinking about any of the family dynamics that are really shaping the way that they experience money. And so that's where the counseling psychology has really given me the knowledge to understand and permission to say, no, our past does matter. And it does shape our sense of who we are and the way that we show up in our relationship and what we're able to do or not do. And so that Intimacy, you know, can be developed and matured over time. But um, if you would think about it almost like on this continuum of closeness and distance using your hands, you know, how far apart are you? Right. And be able to come together. And the goal is to slowly continue to move the hands together to where you're interconnected. Because the, the reality is you're interconnected whether you want to be or not financially. Yeah, that's the truth. Even though we try to, <laughs> we try to avoid that, <laughs> but that's the truth. I, I so thinking about money story, uh, would you share a little bit about about your own money story of you realizing, even as a money expert, that this is an important piece of the of the recipe for success? Yeah, you know, I think um, one element is I can remember, I kind of was probably seven or eight years ago, and I went to one of the very first financial therapy association conferences that I attended. Um, and they had us go through this exercise called the money egg exercise. And the exercise in very short is trying to remember your earliest money memory and then draw a picture of it. Mm. And then, you know, go, you know, a little bit further along your age progression, draw up another memory, so on and so forth. And then you get through and then you go back and you look at these different memories and you put a different emotion with each of them. This thing gives you kind of a blueprint, if you will, of your emotional template around money. So is it mostly exciting, rewarding, pleasurable? Is it anxiety, fearful? Is it avoiding, angry? What is it for you? So for me, like it was kind of this mix of different emotions around money. So the, the, our money story is ever unfolding and this work and discovering this has been so important as I've tried to understand why do my wife and I struggle in the ways that we do uniquely around finances and recognizing that it's about these deep patterns and that she's had her own host of different experiences with money that preceded me and in her family that shape some of her expectations around entrepreneurialism, especially as a 
um, as a dentist who many dentists go on to own their own private practices. And I was struggling to try to figure out why she wouldn't want to do that. It seemed so logical to me at the time, especially with my MBA and CFP mind, I could run the numbers. I could see that, you know, that was going to be a better outcome than her staying an associate. And so it was a very logical decision in my mind. And what I didn't know to account for is in her own money story, there were some real challenges around entrepreneurialism in her family that made her more cautious than maybe on average somebody would be when all the data says very high likely of success. Yeah, there, there's more to the story than that, right? So mm-hmm. if if you do this exercise with your partner, this this egg exercise, and you're both kind of walking this out together and you've got this timeline of of pictures that you've drawn what do you do from there after you've both had sort of these awakening moments of these are the the money memories that I've had? Like, how do you then as partners go, okay, what next? Like, what do we do with this next? Yeah. And that's where it's such an unfolding process that usually next questions start coming about. Oftentimes there's a need for maybe even going through some sort of grieving process. Mm, yeah. Especially if you've had painful memories and experiences around money, because that's usually what we find when we start to open the story up. If couples are in conflict with each other around money is there's something painful in the past around money that needs to be grieved and healed and worked through. And so that's really where financial therapy comes into play is helping people start to work with those old memories and the beliefs that they've internalized about themselves, about how money works and creating space for that to grow and shift. Mm, I like that, right? So I, I think speaking about that there might be something painful in the past, uh, I know that you know I, I went through a, a divorce uh, in my very early 30s, and I was financially devastated. And as a CFP, that's like very hard to admit that as a money expert, you're you're somehow left with with nothing. <laughs> right. And it took me a long time to really work through that and understand that going through that process actually was helpful for me going forward, not only in helping other people, but having an an awakening to use that word myself. And then now, now I'm married again and been married about eight years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like you bring all of that baggage, if you will, into the relationship. And I think if you're not used to having these conversations and really understanding that money is this big pain point for a lot of people. And then when you bring two people together, it kind of gets even worse sometimes that, um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta spend some time like really working through it. Yeah. And that's the neat thing about working with couples is we're not just working with the individual story, but we're working with both people's story and relationship with money and their sense of safety and comfort in acknowledging and looking at that. And that can be different for each partner. And I really appreciate you naming like as a CFP going through divorce and then the financial devastation that came through that. It's like this conflict between wait, I'm a money expert and yet I'm struggling it. And that really has been a big part of my own story as well as getting my MBA, getting my CFP, going back to school, becoming a therapist, and then thinking, oh, well, I can launch a practice. I can get it up. I mean, I already helped my wife build a dental business. How hard could this be? Right. And not recognizing that a therapy practice 
is fundamentally different than a dental practice in the ways that you have to position it in the marketplace. And also there's a lot of professional identity and personal identity work that needed to happen before I could be confident enough to hold myself out there. And, mm-hmm. but it's that, that financial planner and MBA business person is really lives in the logical part of your brain. Right. But so many of these transitional experiences are happening more in our middle and uh, lower brains, the limbic region and the brainstem, which are will overcome, especially in times of stress, any part of your logical brain. That's why I always tell people, I would imagine, I don't really have the science behind it, but maybe you just gave me the science of why I always tell people, don't make money decisions when you're stressed or you're, or you're anxious or you're Whatever it might be when you're in that state of of emotion, sometimes it's hard to just think clearly. That's exactly right. And the science is very clear on that. And that's one of the one of the things that I love sharing with people because it helps take it doesn't stop it from happening, but it, it helps you not beat yourself up quite as much when you understand how the anatomy of your brain works. And so for people listening, a very simple model of the brain is to close your fist with your thumb in on your palm and to put your fingers over the top. Okay, doing it. And if if you have your thumb kind of pointing at you, back at you, and you've got your knuckles wrapped over, that the knuckles wrapped over is the external layer of your brain. That's the neocortex. That's the newest part of our brain. That's the last part of our brain that grows and develops. And especially if you look at the where your thumb is, the front part that would be equivalent to your forehead, that's a prefrontal cortex. And so much of our logical decision-making happens there. But the ability to use that is predicated on the assumption that as a human, you feel safe at a physiological level. So let's peel back the layer of your brain, lift your fingers up. You're now looking at your thumb. This represents the middle zone of your brain. It's, we're getting into the core of your brain. We're in the middle. Uh, zone, if you will. This is the is broadly the limbic region of your brain. And it's primarily an emotional processing center in your brain. Many people have heard of their amygdala. It's one part of the limbic system, and it's a major part of the emotional threat management system. Now, this region is connected with, if you pull your thumb back, you now see your palm going down through your wrist. That's your brainstem. That's down into your nervous system. And specifically the autonomic nervous system where your fight, flight, freeze lives. Now that's all designed, designed or evolution to be your primary threat management system. It's monitoring the environment for basically it's safe, not safe. And when it feels not safe, it signals the limbic region. We've got to do something to get this figured out. But thinking our, our fingers is really slow for problem solving. And when we have threats that feel life or death, We don't need to think through, should I run from the tiger or collapse from the tiger? We just need to do it. Well, the challenge is that our brain is incredibly sophisticated and not quite so sophisticated because sometimes money situations feel like tigers chasing us when it's really just like, hey, I'm launching a new business. And so I'm short on cash right now or I'm spending more than I'm making. Oh, okay, Yeah, that's logical. But man, I'm panicking right now. Or, well, our credit card bill came in at, you know, $1,000 over, $10,000 over, whatever your context is. That can evoke that brainstem limbic region threat response. And we may miss the bigger context. So Mm. that's where being able to recognize, to your point, and kind of the everyday advice is 
if you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed, probably not the best time to make a decision, especially if it's not one that has to be made right now. That's hard to differentiate though when you're in that threat. (laughs) In that threat state, it feels like I have to make this decision right now. So when we add just a little bit of complexity to this model or this way of thinking about it, so what's the responsibility of a couple to each other? Well, from a psychological perspective, it's about co-regulation. It's about helping each other manage the flow of emotional arousal in each other's life. Mm, How do you do that? (laughs) Right. So it's about using empathy and connection and awareness and acknowledging, wow, you're feeling really overwhelmed by filling in the blank. Uh, you know, this morning, to be quite honest, I was feeling pretty overwhelmed about some business decisions that I have going on. And I just was like, I turned to my wife and just kind of put my head onto her head and just cried for a minute. And she just held me. And, you know, in that moment, I didn't need her to say, well, okay, here's the next business strategy you need to do. And here's how it's going to work out, blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know, I needed that more primary support and comfort Mm -hmm. to help you feel like, okay, I am safe. I'm not going to be abandoned if this doesn't work out because that's a core fear for so many people is that fear of abandonment. Right. And so as partners, as we can recognize that depending on our partner's level of threat, we'll determine the way that we need to show up and, and respond to them. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30 
washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today. And I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, notion.com slash etm. Wow, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, I would imagine that money is used a lot as I don't I don't know if the right word is is revenge but I think I've seen in couples where it's you know well I'm going to take all the money or I'm going to do this or I'm going to charge whatever on the card and you're not you know we, we could go on and on for whatever those scenarios are I'm sure you've seen all of this that. absolutely Go ahead. Sorry. To yeah, no, I'm just I I I'm curious about your feedback cuz you work with couples in this way of you know why do we use money as this like weapon against each other almost well, we do use money as a weapon against each other in part because we, our unmet emotional needs, our needs for bonding and connection are not getting met. Mm. And so we don't know when we exhaust all of our skills for getting our partner to engage and understand and care for us in the ways that we need, we, we use money. <laughs> we, we either withhold it or you know, use it to control or manipulate. And so we can get pretty petty pretty quick, right? And those decisions are coming from usually more of the primitive parts of our brain, the limbic region and the brainstem. They're not coming from a reflective, mature, wise part of our brain that can see that this is probably going to hurt the other person, that I'm missing, that they're probably also not having some of their needs met. 
And so saying this very tentatively for anybody that is going through divorce, I was recently consulting with a client about that's going through divorce and struggling with alimony and feeling really angry that um, this, and this is something I see with a lot of clients is the way the tax, even the um, tax filing gets managed or mismanaged. Right. Right. Is, oh, well, I'm claiming the kids as a dependent, but you know, the other person was supposed to get it. And so the couples will get locked even in the divorce and separation alimony process using money to try to reconcile the balance of accounts. So we do keep score in relationships and we keep emotional score for caretaking. And we don't have a great way of putting numbers to that. So money becomes a, a way of making it more objective. Now, most of this is not being done consciously and thought out in that way, but that's the way that I've come to see and understand it is uh, money can also become a substitute or fill in for emotional uh, presence. So interesting. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your new book, The Healthy Love and Money Way. You talk about this idea of attachment theory, and you say there's four different attachment styles that impact our financial well-being. I don't, I don't know a lot about attachment theory. I've heard of it, but I don't really know quite what it means. Tell us a little bit about about what it is and and, and how that does impact your your financial well-being. Yeah, absolutely. So, right, we've been talking a lot about the nature of relationships and getting our caregiving needs met, and attachment theory is really the study of that. Attachment theory comes out of the field of psychology and has been around for about 70 plus years. And it initially started out with infant observation studies about like how babies bond with their mothers. Hmm. And over the last 70 years, it's matured into a a very robust field of study and way of trying to understand human bondedness and connection. And so what the research has shown time and time again now is that people will generally fall into one of four categories in their patterns of bonding and attaching and connecting. So one of the things that we have to kind of, I, I, I take as absolute gospel truth at this point, but if you're not there, that's okay. That babies are born with a fundamental need to be connected to their mother, that they cannot survive without their mother's care and attention. And it's not just food but it's a sense of safety and connection. So when babies get held and rocked and looked at, their sense of self is growing, their sense of safety and place in the world is growing, and they're learning, their brain is developing a map of what it's like to be cared for in relationships. Well, that process continues to evolve as the baby is growing into its toddler years and young young child years. But by that time, the child has a what's called a working model of what relationships are like. And if we think about who babies are primarily exposed to is their parents. Right. So that's the primary model that gets um, generalized then out to other relationships and how they work. And so our, our, that's what that's is our attachment system is a biological and psychological system that helps us make and maintain relationships and manage relationships. Uh, so there's so four four attachment styles is the way that it gets talked about, and there's secure attachment, anxious, avoidant, and disorganized are the are the four categories or ways of our attachment system. Kind of one 
uh, wiring itself up. For someone with a secure attachment, they generally have an internally positive view of themselves and a positive view of others, significant others, that they can be there and supportive and responsive in times of distress as well as times of excitement, right? And pleasure. And they say, oh, look at this. This is so great. Oh, I'm so happy to see that. Or, oh, I scraped my knee. Right. Uh, oh, okay. I'll hold you and you'll feel better. Okay. And let's get the band aid on there, right? That's kind of responsive and engaged, pro relational. And we expect that someone can be there. And the nice thing is for people with secure attachment, if it doesn't go perfectly, they're okay. Like they recognize, like, oh, okay, they can give them the positive benefit of the doubt and they'll try again. Uh, roughly 50 to 60% of the population would score in the broad category of secure attachment. Now, these folks that score that way don't have a perfect life. They still have challenges. They have anxieties and fears. It's how they manage through them that's different than the counterparts that are on the insecure side. And so if you have an anxious attachment style, typically what your your attachment system has learned is, I can't really trust my caregiver to be there for me in the ways that I need. And I have to work extra hard to get someone to engage me in a relationship. And so they're always kind of trying to please the other person. Oftentimes, they're your people pleasers. They are always monitoring to see if someone else is really there to connect with them. But even when they say they're there, they don't really experience that as happening. And so they have a lot of relational anxiety about trying to get someone to be there and support and care for them. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book. Listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into The Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club.
from Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Nainen, the host of the Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls, how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of the Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, wherever you get your podcasts. So then we have anxious attachment, which these individuals and their caregiving environment often had to work harder to get someone to come and provide attention to their emotional needs and vulnerabilities, as well as places of excitement. The challenge is that the caregivers often didn't quite know how to meet those needs or connect well with them. And so it's kind of like left them with a little bit of uncertainty that they're really there to connect. Attachment, when we have anxious attachment in our caregiving environment, our parents often were not quite as well attuned to our emotional and relational needs. They may have been a depressed parent or a parent struggling with addiction or anxiety issues of their own. And so they were uncertain about how to provide appropriate caregiving for us. And so as developing children, we would learn how to be over attentive maybe to our parents' needs and what's going on, try to get them to engage with us, but never really feeling like we successfully did so. And so we're kind of insecure in ourselves and always seeing other people as more positive, but not really sure that they can connect with us well. On the other end of the continuum are those that develop and avoiding attachment. And again, they have relational anxiety, but the way that they manage relational anxiety is by keeping people more at an arm's length distance. So they're going to have a more positive view of themselves and a more negative view generally of other people, especially when it comes to getting their emotional and relational needs met, like when they're feeling stressed at work or scared about how to work through the credit card statement. They're just going to turn towards themselves and try to work through it instead of trying to seek any kind of support or validation. That The fourth category is disorganized attachment. And this is that combination of both avoidant and anxious styles. So this person really struggles with having a positive view of themselves or a positive view of others. And they really have no safe place to turn when they're in distress or if they're experiencing something positive in their life. Wow. So... I mean, do you need a like financial therapist to help you figure out your attachment style or is there a checklist or something that you can do to figure out which one of these you really are? Yeah, absolutely. So a great starting place, um, you can check on my website. I have an attachment inventory that I've modified for money-related patterns specifically, but there are very well-researched attachment style inventories on the internet, one of the websites you can go to, and I'll give you the show notes for later, is The Attachment Project. Uh, they have a, an attachment inventory. So you can get out on the internet and, and find pretty quickly information on the four categories and some simple assessments. The important thing is if you find out that you have an insecure attachment style, that's not doomsday. Our attachment systems can grow and change in healthy relationships. And so Oftentimes, that happens in a therapeutic relationship. It can, to some extent, happen in uh, close friendships and marital relationships. So our primary attachment style does get shaped by our parental environment. But if we have other pro-relational positive people in our life, 
we can feel increasing amounts of relational safety and start to learn and recognize when people are really there for us and how to engage or benefit from that. I like that there's there's hope for all of us. Uh, so tell me, wh- what made you decide to to write a book about this? Yeah, well, it was really a personal journey and, and a, a point of crisis for me. I was in a PhD program studying this very topic and realizing I just didn't love doing the research, technical research and quantitative analysis side of it. And um, so I just, honestly, I was, I knew I wanted to write a book. I was trying to get all my ideas together. There was a Facebook ad that said, hey, write your first book in 30 days. And I was like, (laughs) okay, that's sure. Why not? Let's try that while I'm in the middle of this PhD program. (laughs) Sounds reasonable. (laughs) Yeah, totally reasonable. Um, Yeah, I was totally in a very secure state of mind when I made that decision. Uh, No. Um, I was not, I, for anybody that's listening, I have an anxious attachment style. It's on the med. That's part of why I was able to turn to my wife and get support this morning. But I, I have my moments of relational anxiety big time. So anyhow, I responded to the Facebook ad. I saw the structure. I signed up, I started writing and it really was very therapeutic. And so I ended up writing my whole story up to that point in my healing journey and trying to bring together how does attachment theory blend into the way we approach our personal finances. Um, I was able to fold in my years of experience working with couples as a therapist. And so it's really an amalgam of my personal story, as well as a lot of uh, clinical experience and then the, the research knowledge. Interesting. Yeah. And, and I love that you're willing to share uh, your personal story. I think that really helps everyone connect and and also understand that if, if you and I are having this conversation and we're both experts, that certainly does not by any means mean we're flawless or that we have all the answers. Uh, it means we're human. And this happens to be something that was is a strength for us, but we're still learning and growing in the process. So I think that's um, it's great to be able to talk about that from an open place where it's not all about the success stories. So oh. I'm we've we've talked about so much. I, I'm wondering if if we're listening and we really love this idea of like creating financial intimacy in our relationship with our partner, what is something that you want us to remember today or do today or think about? Like what's something you want to leave us with uh, that could really cultivate that? That it's a journey of transformation and exploration. That today you may leave with oh, there's this thing called financial intimacy. And I would let that your curiosity catch a hold of that and start exploring it. Um, I'm very excited. I've put together a program, The Couple's Guide to Financial Intimacy, that will take you on a journey through the the attachment um, theory information as well as other major psychological concepts that I use in my counseling practice. And you can start to apply it into your own life moving you closer and closer towards financial intimacy. And so financial intimacy is a journey. And as humans, we are wired to grow and adapt and heal given the right environment. And so I would just encourage anybody that's listening is this is going to be part learning about how money works, but it's also going to be a big part learning how you work and continuing to be open and deepening into that kind of vulnerability. Sean, there's no way I could have done most of what I did today without having been on my own healing journey first. And I appreciate the acknowledgement on the vulnerability. I have especially a big awareness for for men that are struggling with 
their own vulnerability. I've had so many female clients tell me that their part, their male partners just won't engage in these types of conversations with them. And I think men are trapped behind a wall of vulnerability right. or invulnerability. And so that's part of why I share some of my story and much more of it in the book is to, to normalize it and make it okay. Well, Ed, this has been such an amazing eye-opening conversation. If somebody's listening, they want to connect with you, they're interested in this program, where do they go to find you? Yeah, the best hub is healthyloveandmoney.com. Uh, from my website, you can find the social links, a link for the program, for my book, um, and just uh, blogs that I write on a very regular basis. Okay, my friend, I'm here to report that I have tried Ed's egg money exercise with Jeff and it has already transformed things. So I highly encourage you to just give it a try. It cannot hurt. The beauty is that uncovering your money story, it's a critical step towards bettering your relationship with money, which in turn just betters the partnership's relationship with money. And then everything is better. And I don't know about you, but I am all about creating a healthy, loving, respectful relationship. That's really what I'm signing up for. So if you enjoyed this episode, send it to your partner ASAP and anyone else that you know who is in a relationship who could really benefit from this wisdom. Let's spread Ed's relationship gems all around the world. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I will see you back here in a few days to continue talking about money. Algorithms can do so much more than control social media feeds. In fact, they have the power to save lives and improve our health. At the Weizmann Institute, Professor Yonina Eldar has pioneered innovative algorithms that optimize MRI scans and make ultrasound devices more portable, affordable, and accessible. Professor Eldar's lab develops AI tools that can pave the way to new technologies that can see, hear, and communicate beyond existing limits. Learn more at celebratinggreatminds.org.